0: This morning, we continue our look at this first letter of John. We're in chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the the difference between truth and lies and who is a liar anyone who says that jesus is not the christ anyone who denies the father and the son is an antichrist anyone who denies the son doesn't have the father either but anyone who acknowledges the son has the father also so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of these words of Scripture. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for this time, this place. An opportunity to gather together with family and friends and loved ones to worship you. Sing songs, smile, laugh, share concerns, to have the fellowship that you've promised with you and with your children. And now we, your children, Turn together to hear from you once again. May you open our ears that we might hear and maybe hear again for the first time so that our hearts could be transformed. We pray all this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. I want to get a pen out here because there is something that needs to be underlined. And I don't have a pen. Let me tell you what I was about to underline. He says right here, He talks about that you, you've known these things from the beginning right here. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. What you've been taught from the beginning. What have you been taught from the beginning? He's told us that already. Right? He said this already. This is something that you have been taught from the beginning. So what is he referencing? Thank you. Anybody? This is not rhetorical. Anybody want to guess? So we must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. That is verse 24. So let's go back, same chapter, verse 7. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. (gasps) You see the connection? This old commandment to love one another is the same message you have heard before. Thank you. So what is he saying here? You, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. You must love one another. Very good. Amen. We're done. All right. All right. So to be honest with you, it really is that simple. It, it really is. Let me, let, me, let me lay this out, though. So last week we talked about the characteristics and descriptions that we found in Scripture. Do you remember that? We had two lists, right? And we use that to illustrate the differences between light and darkness. So you've got the two different views of reality. One John calls light, one uh, the other is darkness. Uh, sinners are blinded by the darkness and can only see the world that way, which is why we are not facing an angry God, but a loving God who is sad because we have decided to build a reality that has made us blind to God's reality. It's sad, really, isn't it? We can't see it. Now, to be fair, we created it. But saints—they've seen the light, and the light is shaped by how they view reality. This does not somehow diminish the value of the world we live in. I want to be very clear on that, right? We're not saying like that—that they're not using the the flesh or the world, and somehow devaluing the the the. See, it's hard because we're using the same word twice. They're not devaluing creation. They're not devaluing people. But they are drawing a distinction between the ways that we view this reality. Does that, does that make sense? I want to be very careful about this because in the past, we have done such a good job of, of delineating between the flesh and the spirit that we have somehow devalued the world, the physical world that we live in, rather than elevated it. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like somehow it's okay. And then we get this whole thing about, and I love the song and we sing it and we're so joyful, but we get the theology of one day I'll fly away so none of this really matters. But that's not what these guys are saying. What, what they're saying is, no, this does matter, but what matters is how do you view this? How do you understand this? How do you, And then the way you view it, the way you understand it determines how you live in this. And so sinners, those that are blinded by the darkness, they're going to live one way. And those who have seen the light, who have seen that light as in Jesus, they're going to live another way. The saints. Last week, Billy shared a quote with me. Billy Martin, who gave a, uh, an announcement this morning, by Barbara Brown Taylor. Humans may separate things into as many piles as we wish, separating spirit from flesh, sacred from secular, church from world, but we should not be surprised when God does not recognize the distinctions we make between the two. Thanks for the quote. That's going to be our next book. Okay. So we began in verse 15, and verse 15 through verse 17, remember we talked about how, how um, John keeps going back and circling and circling and emphasizing and emphasizing, and he's building and he's building and he's building. It's not a linear sort of argument he's building, but he's, he's sort of ramping it up. And, you know, do you remember that from last week? No, okay. Um, well, that's what he's doing. So what he's done here is he's recapping... It's a recap of the distinctions between the light and the darkness. The light does not fade away. That's what he says right here. It's not going to fade away, whereas darkness will. All these things that, that we have determined are going to place value, and, and the way that we're going to rank, and the way that, we're, you know, they're, they're, it's all going to go away. That's what he's saying. So you think that you're really special because you got a lot of money? Congratulations. Money's going to become meaningless at some point. You think you're really special because a lot of people think really highly of you? Uh, your ratings on television are uh, through the roof. Congratulations. Well, guess what? Uh, one, one day, those people, are gonna, those people that love you right now, they're going to pass away. And, and, uh, and your ratings are going to plummet, right? Or, or whatever. I mean, how, or you're really valuable because you're part of this group. Well, guess what? One day, those categories, they're not going to exist. And the funny thing is, it doesn't even, you don't even have to wait for the world to disappear. The world itself will change. The times, as the prophet Bob Dylan said, they are a-changing. The things that mattered, the things that gave us value just a generation ago, they don't anymore. So how much stock are we going to put in that? Hopefully none. And it's scary. And so what happens is as my stock (laughs) D, as my stocks devalue, I get nervous, so I get angry, and I fight to try to keep my stock up. I'll let you just sit with that one. Okay, so the world, Paul uses the word flesh, right, we talked about that, uh, means The world as it places itself over against God. So when when the author says, do not love this world, what he's saying is the world remains God's good creation, and as such, it should be enjoyed with thanksgiving, but do not allow things to draw us away from God. Do not let these things become God for you. Does that make sense? the flesh, the eyes, life itself, they can all become idols for us. Like all idols, they demand more and more from those who worship them. True story, it dawned on me yesterday uh, after um, about six episodes in, binge-watching on Netflix. I don't know, this, this is maybe just a throwaway thought, but so we, we've been doing a lot of work at the house, getting ready for Madison to go off to college this week um, and uh, try to get the mowing done before the storms pulled in and all that kind of stuff. And, but then when, when um, I was done but everyone else was still working, um, <laughs> I, I planted myself on the couch and I, and I started watching this show. Some of you have probably already seen it, it but I just started watching it called Manifest. And... Um, And I was about six episodes in, and do you realize, like, I stopped for a minute. It was getting, it was like almost 10 o'clock at night now. And what I try to do on Sunday nights, or Saturday nights, is I try to start reviewing my sermon in my mind, you know, so that I can kind of be thinking about that when I go to bed. The funny thing is, I had watched so much manifest that I couldn't even remember the point, like, what I was talking about in my sermon. Isn't it interesting how quickly the things of this world can completely take us away from the things of God? I would never say that I worshipped Netflix, but I do love it. (laughs) I don't know how we used to watch television and have to wait every week for another episode, right? Okay, sorry. So we celebrate all the goodness of the world. It's all God's goodness, and it's to us within this creation. We don't worship it. Because all idols draw us into the darkness and can blind us from the truth. That's what the author is trying to tell us here. And then last week, in part of our distinction, we talked about the idea that there is truth. And so the the world's view of reality, there is truth to that, right? I mean, do you remember I talked about that I am... A white male, middle class, like all those things are true about me. But it's not the truth about me. But to say that there's truth and then there's the truth is not to say that there is, are some things that are not true at all. Lies do abound in this world. And, and that's when John begins to warn us about the Antichrist. It's the thing that denies the truth of Jesus. Jesus it actually simply is the opposite of Christ anti-christ so to deny Christ is to deny the claim that the author made earlier again remember we're cycling back around and around and around we're 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 moving towards and and we're and we're reemphasizing So to deny Christ is to deny this claim. This is the message that we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in God at all. So what that is saying is It's to deny the authority of Jesus as a teacher and as the one who shows us what it means to live in God's light. Jesus is the light. When you look at Jesus, when you listen to Jesus, you get a glimpse of God. You get a glimpse of the light. You get a glimpse of love. You get a glimpse of life. Fill in the blank. You get a glimpse of that. And to deny Jesus is to severely cut yourself off from access to all of that. It's to severely deny yourself access to what we would call God. I want to make this point, and I think it's really important for us to hear. John is not saying He's not talking about an adherence to a creed. To deny Jesus is not to deny the words of a creed. It's it's not a belief about a person. It's a belief in a person. It's not about believing things about Jesus. It is about believing in Jesus. Paul says, I simply teach Jesus and Him crucified. That's what Paul Paul says. So, true followers of Jesus have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? He said that several times. But you have the Holy Spirit. You can know. Like you, can, you know the truth that is Jesus. You know it because you have the very same Holy Spirit living in you that was living in him. Do you remember when we said this before? Spirit calls to spirit. Does that sound familiar? As many sermons ago. If, if it does sound familiar to you, Congratulations. I, I don't kid myself and think that you remember everything I say. <laughs> True followers of Jesus have been anointed by the Holy Spirit so that a real change of heart and character can happen. A transformation takes place inside. Through the Holy Spirit, you will know the truth. The truth. When you hear it, when you see it, when you're confronted with decisions, if you take a moment, you'll know the truth. Let me give you an example. All right, so I was reading this book. Shocker. Um, written by a guy named Philip Gully. If you want to read a good book, just buy something by Philip Gully. Anything by Philip Gully, It's good. All right. So I was reading it. And Philip is a he's a Quaker minister. And as you might guess, he's also a pacifist. If, you, if you're familiar with Quakers at all, not a shocker, right? All right. I myself would not classify, I, I can't classify myself as a uh, pacifist, but um, according to my professor, it is, a, back when I was in seminary m- many years ago, uh, it is okay to refer to myself as an extremely tolerant just war theorist. Right. I, you have to really convince me, but I could be convinced. Okay, so but, but, but Philip Gully, he, he was in the book, he's writing about uh, when George W. Bush's um, administration declared war on Iraq. Most of us remember that, right? Okay, as a pacifist, you, you know the position he took on that. So he went to a peace rally, and at the peace rally... The speakers got up, and they began to, to really um, speak negatively and degrade George W. Bush and, and his administration and the people in his administration. And Philip Gully, in his book, writes, I had to leave because I could not attend a peace rally where violence was being done with words. Does that sound true to you? Whew, it sounds true to me. There's something in there that's the truth, and it resonates within me. And so guess who has been working really hard lately to not do violence with their words? This guy. Because while I'm an extremely tolerant just war theorist, I'd be, woo. I was okay doing violence with my words. There's truth in that. And I knew the truth when I read it. I, I, it resonated with me. It almost vibrated in my heart. All right, read another book recently. It's actually a book that many of you have read because you're in the Quad Sunday School class. And in that book, let me look at my handwritten note here. All right, that author says that we're actually asking the wrong question a lot of times when we're trying to figure out how do we live as Christians in this world. He said, often we ask the question, according to the Bible, what should I do? Or what would the Bible tell me to do? He said, that's the wrong question. The question needs to be, lo- be what would love have me to do? Well, think about it. Think about what we've been reading. What would love have me to do? And then John, or the elder, whoever wrote this book, this letter that we're reading, would say, you know. So if I ask myself the question, what would love have me to do, this author says, you know. You do know. The question is, will you do it? You know, and you're capable of it because you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. I wonder, I've heard it said before, this just popped into my head, but the only unforgivable sin, have you ever heard this before? The only unforgivable sin is to deny the Holy Spirit. Well, that sounds all wholly different now. I just always thought that meant, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Woohoo, good. But I'm wondering. Okay, so it's interesting to note that the Greek word for anointing is the same root as the word Messiah. It simply means the anointed one. So when the author, I I don't want us to miss this, I think this is important, especially when we consider about how do we love each other well. When the author says that you have been anointed He's also warning us not to be deceived about our own identities. Did you ever think about that? Don't let people tell you that you are anything other than a child of God. And don't let yourself treat anyone as anything less than a child of God. That author uh, that I was talking about, he said this too, and and he he did this thing where he was working on a sermon, and he decided to run just a question by his wife to see what her response would be. And as I read it, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to do the same thing. And so Denise was working in her office, and I walked in, and I said, is there anything in this world that brings you more joy than watching our children love each other well? No, there's, there's nothing in this world that brings me more joy than when my kids are hanging out and getting along and loving each other well. So like last night at 10 o'clock, they decided to go to Sonic. And instead of being like, oh, it's already 10 o'clock at night, I was like, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's nothing that brings me more joy than watching my children love each other well. Uh, where do you think that comes from? Where does that joy come from? God. Yeah. Is it a glimpse of to how maybe God the Father? The other thing too, and he points this out in his book, the other thing too is do you want to get on my bad side? Treat one of my kids poorly. It's interesting because <laughs> true, no names. Some one of my kids was treated poorly. It took my kid forgiving them for me to love them again. That's probably more darkness than it is light. So where are we? Where where do we, how do we tie this thing up? Let me just say this. Let's encourage one another, right? To remain faithful. To believe that Jesus is the light, the, the truth, the love, God and to live as Jesus taught us and as Jesus lived. And in this way, we will be living in the light and enjoying fellowship with God and as the author has already promised right at the very beginning of this letter with each other. Amen.